Will They Find a Home? Sponsored by Geico. Steve is intrigued by the paranormal. Otherworldly spirits really make a house a home, you know? Janice has different taste. I'd like my house to not be haunted. Compromise is tough, but these two won't have to compromise when they bundle home and car insurance with Geico. It's easy, and they could save even more. In the end, Steve and Janice found a renovated Victorian that's only haunted from 9 to 5. Okay, wife's home. Y'all gotta bounce. Bye, Steve. Bundling without compromise at Geico.com. From the basement of the Bob and Tom Studios, it's that Josh Arnold podcast. Oh, well, my goodness. If it isn't that time again, and where are we? What is it? The Ides of June? Wow. June 15th. Boy, oh boy, uh, happy to be sitting here in the basement, uh, even though it is the basement, but I'm still happy. I'll tell you why in just a little bit. Well, one of the reasons I can tell you now, uh, my gosh, this week's guest is, uh, you know, there are some who throw the word hero around uh, a little too often. And there are some who uh, don't don't use it enough. I, I, I like to think that I'm in the middle, and uh, I'm going to tell you, uh, the, that word certainly applies to this week's guest. I'm talking, of course, about you. Oh, my gosh. Will you look at yourself? Oh, you look great. I hope you're feeling good as well. Uh, thank you for being here with me uh, for that Josh Arnold podcast. Man, oh, man. June fifteenth. Uh, we've uh, what? What are we? Five days away from summer solstice. I think it's on the twentieth this year. Uh, so it's not officially summer, but we know, don't we? We we know it's it's. Uh, it, it, I mean, summer's pr- pretty much here, and uh, we'll be talking about some summery things. But first, I would like to uh, thank and talk a little bit about uh, our sponsor this week. Uh, boy, it's a good one. And, um, you know, <laughs> if you thought our sponsors, uh, were getting a little out of control, uh, a couple weeks ago when the sun sponsored the show, well, wait until you find out who's sponsoring us this week. Uh, a very important sponsor, um, you know, a, a necessary sponsor, uh, our sponsor this week. The digestive system. That's right. I, what would we do without it? My goodness. I mean, we put food into our mouths, and uh, digestion really begins there, doesn't it? Uh, saliva, hey, it ain't just there to uh, lubricate the old head hole. No, it's uh, it's got some some digestive enzymes in there that, that help to break down the food immediately. Uh, and not to mention the chewing. I mean, yeah, that's that's done. Uh, mastication, if you will, with the jaws and the teeth. And then, uh, boy, but but as soon as that saliva hits, digestion has begun. And then, of course, it makes its way through, doesn't it? Otherwise, we'd just be putting food in our body and it would sit there. Ugh. That way we wouldn't absorb any of the nutrients. We wouldn't uh, uh, be able to retain any of the, 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 uh, the calories. Nothing. Nothing would happen. It would just sit in our... <laughs> Our bodies without the digestive system. Uh, and we don't have to get into uh, the end uh, parts of the, you know, the excretory 
system. We don't need to get into but, but just the digestive system. It's it's very important, and um, I think you know that. Uh, you know what? One of my favorite things about the digestive system is it's involuntary. You don't have to focus on uh, on any of you eat something and it goes you know what i've got this i'll take it from here and you don't even have to think about it so uh can you imagine if you did if it was if it was a voluntary response we got to go oh sorry guys i got to take 20 minutes and really think about breaking down the food that i've put in my body and uh <laughs> no it does it itself and uh i sure am thankful for that and i sure am thankful that uh the digestive system is this week's sponsor. I hope you get to enjoy your digestive system very, very soon. And you know what I've been digesting a lot of lately? Uh, uh, this is a uh, it, this is a bit of a change for me, and I'm I, I'm uh, excited to share this with you. This is the second big news this week. The first big news in the old uh, the old Arnold household. I'll tell you right now. I got six. New pairs of socks. That's right. Six new pairs of socks. They came in a uh, uh, a bundle, if you will. I had some uh, some uh, cash uh, <laughs> for you know a, a department store where they, uh, uh, they if you buy things there they will give you uh, that department store cash that you can then uh, and we all know what I'm talking about. I could mention it. There's no rule saying I can't, but I'm not going to until they. Uh, th- throw me a little real cash, not just their cash. All right. So, <laughs> do you think that would uh, that would ever uh, happen? So anyway, um, you know what though? This company does does. I came up with a Christmas slogan for this company one year, and uh, they should use it. They should. Uh, it would be it would sell gift cards. It would sell their gift cards, and the, the ad would show a gift card. Sticking out of a, a stocking, nailed to a mantle there with a nice fire. You guys know the the sort of holiday imagery I'm going for. Uh, and it would just say, this year, put a little coals in their stocking. Why they haven't used that yet, I have no idea. Now, if you happen to work for that department store and uh, you share that idea, I just want a, a little cut. You can throw some gift cards my way or even some of your own cash. You know what I'm saying. This year, put a little coals in their stocking. That's that, what is it? What's the matter? Too good? Yeah, is that why you haven't used it yet? <laughs> Just reward me when if I see it this year. I um, boy, someone's got some splaining to do. Uh, and uh, you know what? You don't even owe me an explanation. Just th- just send me a little something, okay? So anyway, I had some of that cash, and I uh, I went, man, I better use this before it expires. Bought myself six new pairs of socks, and uh, nothing fancy. I'm a um, well, I'm not I'm not afraid to, to tell you, I'm a loyal Hanes man myself when it comes to underwear of all kinds, t-shirts and uh, boxers and socks. I I, I love the the product, and uh, boy, I, I tell you what, I think we take for granted. Just how how good new a, a new pair of socks feels. It, they're great, and I think I'm on like pair four, so I still have two new pair to wear before uh, they they enter the laundry cycle. And uh, I'm enjoying the heck out of them. So that's big news from the old uh, Arnold household. Oh, in case you're wondering, they are low cut black. That's right, maybe ankle. I forget exactly. I'm not like 
they're not totally no shows. So I think they're ankle because you can see a little bit of them in my shoe, but not a lot. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> and I needed them. I did. I think I'm sitting on, uh, now I'm sitting on maybe 12, no, I had more than six. I'm going to say uh, I had eight pair originally, so I've got about 14 pair now. Um, and uh, I felt like my socks were running out a little too quickly, and so I wanted to get more. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. So, anyway, the second big news, uh, and this does relate to the digestive system. Man, lately, I have to confess, I am hooked on pub mix. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's that it's that combination. Uh, it's got just like eight different crispy things in it and some seasoning. And uh, there are all kinds of pub mix out there. I can't get enough of it right now. And the weird thing is, when I was a kid... I didn't care for it. And even as an early adult, I didn't really care for Chex Mix or Pub Mix. To me, it was chaos. There were too many different textures, and uh, I, the flavor was kind of all over the place, and I didn't know I, I, I didn't know what to do with it. And so I, my, my, my taste buds essentially rejected it. I went, this is too much. And what I would end up doing is if, if there were like Chex Mix or Pub Mix, I would just eat the pretzels out of it because I could recognize those flavors. And I love pretzels, so I, that was me. But something's happened. And I am now like, I mean, I, this pub mix, uh, we have it here at work. And what I do is I take the tub of it. I mean, it's essentially in a big uh, bulk tub. And I bring it down to the basement with me and I enjoy it while I prepare for this. And uh, um, boy, I'm hooked. I think I'm trying to make up for like the last four, like essentially, because I started eating it maybe, man, no, it's been, it's real recent. So I'm making up for like 40 I'm four, I just turned 43, so like essentially 42 years of not eating it. And uh, I think I'm going to eat 42 years worth in the next couple months because I can't stop. You know, yeah, we all get this way, right? We, you, all of a sudden you go, man, I'm really craving this whatever. And you eat it and you go, I, don't, I didn't get enough. And so like for like three weeks, maybe it's just me, but for like three weeks it's like that's what you – like that's what your uh, dietary focus is on <laughs> is – like, oh, I don't know why, but I'm not tired of it, and I love it, and I keep. It's kind of like when you hear a new song, and you and you're like, oh my gosh, uh, I've got to listen to that again and again and again, and then eventually the novelty or the newness sort of wears off, and you go, okay, well, the shimmer's a little, a little, um, it's kind of gone now, and you event maybe you even develop a taste aversion to whatever. You're like, man, I've been eating. Uh, I, 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 what I'm going to do is not let myself get to that point. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll. I will uh, Seinfeld it, the TV show. I will. Uh, I'll stop at my peak, and uh, not it won't get stale. And uh, tell you what, the pub mix won't get stale either because I'm going to eat it before it does. <laughs> we have we have fun, right? So uh, anyway, those are the the new. And I tell you what, the pub mix has been uh, brightening up this murky, uh, really humid, damp basement. I, I, you know, in the winter it's crazy cold, but at least it's dry now. That it's getting hot, um, eh, just it's humid down here and a little, a little musty, quite frankly. So I say we take a little break from the basement right now and hop aboard the TJA Express. That's right, the Arn Track, the world's only steam monorail. It takes us out to some destination or two and uh, brings us right back. So, 
Monorail, you see. So uh, today, I wonder where we're, we're stopping off. Uh, I, oh, oh, I see that we're somewhere. And uh, I'll just kind of look out the window here. And, um, oh, boy, what? I, I don't recognize anything yet. Perhaps. Oh, I have the curtain closed. All right, I'll open up the curtain of the window. And, hey, look, we're in Vocabville. My goodness, if all the Vocabvillians aren't... Uh, Walking about, uh, learning new words, and ready to teach us a new word that we can add to our own vocabulary. And uh, today we get a double dose, same word, but there's an adjective version and a noun version of this word. And since it is uh, summer, well, not officially, I know, June 20th, but uh, I thought uh, we would discuss a word that we can add to our uh, vocabulary that pertains to the beach. Now, I know the beach, uh, pluses and minuses, right? When you go to the beach, um, yeah, a lot of good about it and a lot of bad about it. But uh, this is a word that hopefully you can use. We'll start with the adjective version. The word is literal. And uh, I don't mean L-I-T-E-R-A-L. I mean literal, L-I-T-T-O-R-A-L. Literal. It, uh, oh boy, what does that rhyme with? Hmm. I can't think of anything. <laughs> I guess that would be literal, but uh, <laughs> literal. Uh, maybe, I, I guess it depends on, uh, well, who your doctor is, but some would say literal, some would say literal. Anyway, uh, ladies, email me. Let me know what you, I'm teasing. So, uh, literal, it means, the adjective means, uh, essentially relating to um, or something growing uh, near the shore. So seashells are uh, literal. Uh, oh, yeah, we were in a literal literal area, and we found a bunch of seashells. Or, uh, uh, my gosh, if we didn't see some jellyfish uh, washed up in that literal space, um over there. Now, that's what's that's where the noun part can also come in. The the noun version of literal means the area uh, of the shore between high tide and low tide. So, um you've all seen it. You go on a beach and you go, "Oh, well you can clearly tell that high tide is there because that's uh, the sand is sort of damp and then it becomes dry and uh, uh right there on that line. You can see it so that that must be high tide. Uh, and then you're like, oh, okay, well, low tide is only reaching here. So this area in between is literal. That's the literal area. So I think uh, that's the area of the shore is is more of the noun. And then the stuff that grows near the shore um, or anything relating to it. Um, yeah, the beachgoers uh, spent their day in a literal uh, spot. Um, so they were, of course, bathing on the shore. So kind of fun, kind of interesting. And uh, one of those words that um, you can uh, annoy the people you're with. <laughs> uh, with. So um, I like it. So the next time, particularly, uh, I, I we all love finding seashells and stuff like that. You can definitely use it while you're doing that. Just go, oh, these, uh, I, I believe there are some... Uh, seashells either in on the the literal uh part of the beach or uh my gosh these seashells are literal yes do that and uh 
Oh, impress everybody. So, uh, what a nice visit to Vocabville. Uh, very summery. And, uh, oh, I see that we're we're off again. We're moving down the, the track there. And, uh, oh, we're slowing. We don't seem to be heading directly back to the basement. I wonder where we're stopping now. Ah, don't you love that whistle? Man, oh, man. I need to get on a train soon. I do. Oh, holy cow. I believe this is our first visit to a place that we've all heard of. And now we actually get to be there. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. In Music Junction. My gosh, who doesn't love Music Junction? We're all fans of uh, melody and song. And (laughs) now we get to discuss some of our favorites. And boy, uh, do I have a treat to uh, talk about with you. You guys know, uh, for the most part, that I'm, uh, I have uh, eclectic tastes in music. I love uh, um, what I call angry youth music. So uh, uh, sort of your, your heavier, uh, well, I guess what's primarily known as active rock. Um, I love it. I love uh, Slipknot and uh, Breaking Benjamin and Chevelle and uh, Static X and uh, all. I, I love all. I love. I love all that noise. Corn. Oh man, I, I I go see all those bands whenever I can, and uh, I I love it. Puts me in a great mood. See, for me, active rock doesn't do what I think some people think it does. Like a lot of it is angry, and a lot of it is uh, um, dark. And, uh, you know, maybe even on the surface, a little sinister, things like that. But um, for me, it's like all about blowing off steam. That's That music does not create those feelings in me. It exercises them. And I don't mean working out. I mean, like, exercising demons. It really, uh, it, it really uh, helps uh, release a lot of... Uh, you know, whatever it is that's going on, you know, maybe some tension, maybe some stress. And, yeah, it's just a really good time. And when you go to a Slipknot show or you go to, uh, man, I remember going to a, a number of Ozfests back in the day where it's just a full day, like 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. of uh, um, angry, uh, angry young man music. <laughs> And I say young man, but trust me, there were just as many chicks out there exercising their demons as well. And the thing about it is nobody was like, occasionally you would see a fight or whatever, but that happens pretty much anywhere where there's a lot of people in booze. Okay. So you can see that at a, uh, I, I guarantee you a fight is broken out at a Wiggles concert at some point, but um, uh, <laughs> I know I'd be tempted to fight. But at these shows, there's not a lot of anger. It's a lot of, like, really happy people celebrating um, the the music and everything. So, uh, uh, anyway, the music that I'm going to talk about today is another one of my favorite genres. It's essentially outlaw country. I I love it. I'm a huge fan. And uh, I, I, my fandom grows stronger every day uh, when it comes to this genre. Um, I, and uh, you, well, you've heard me talk about uh, James McMurtry and Paul Cawthon and uh, stuff. Well, there's a gentleman that I uh, have really, really grown to love. I loved him immediately, actually. He was one of those guys where I, I heard a song and I went, who is this? I, I need to explore his catalog. His name is Tyler Childers. And uh, what I'd like you to listen to 
It's on. Uh, it's available on Spotify, and I'm sure elsewhere. Um, I happen to listen to it on Spotify. Uh, it's called Live on Red Barn Radio 1 and 2. And it, it, together, the uh, 1 and 2, it, it lasts 30 minutes. So 30 minutes of terrific live uh, outlaw country that kind of borders on bluegrass at times. And it is just wonderful. And if you don't listen to the whole thing, do yourself a favor and listen to my favorite cut from those sessions. It's called Charleston Girl. And these came out in 2018. And this song, Charleston Girl, that Tyler wrote, and uh, it kills me. It is it is uh, one of my new favorite songs. And um, it's one of the things I love about new alt country or outlaw country or is, uh, I mean, country's always had kind of a, it, it can get a little dark too, can't it? And uh, the guys, the new class of uh, country, sort of, uh, and, and not necessarily the pop country, but um, this, is like your Chris Stapletons and uh, uh, folks of that ilk. Um, oh my gosh, one of my other favorites. Uh, unfortunately, his name is eluding me. I'm, I'm going to look it up uh, as, as we speak because I don't want to leave him out. But guys like Cody Jinx and um, uh, oh, I cannot believe I'm. But let's see. Okay, sorry. Uh, the dead uh, Sturgill Simpson, of course, that's his name. Sturgill Simpson. Um, the, all these guys are doing some really amazing country, but it gets real and dark, and they're talking about you know some pretty raw things. And uh, the song Charleston Girl gets gets fairly raw. And, man, I mean, I just, I feel every word. Even if I can't uh, totally relate to the scenario, I can. And I think you'll find that to be the same, too. The specifics, you may not, uh, you know, might, might be new to you. But the uh, the situation, certainly, man, oh, man. I, I, I It's simultaneously heartbreaking and also uh, semi-hopeful and... I really recommend the whole thing, the uh, Tyler Childers live on Red Barn Radio 1 and 2. But if you only listen to one, listen, to, give Charleston Girl a shot. And trust me, it's country. There's banjo, and uh, you're, you're, <laughs> you're not going to mistake the genre. But And if that's not your thing, uh, that's totally fine, of course. But maybe still give it a listen and see, see uh, uh, you know, if this style is uh, maybe more up your alley. Anyway, I, I recommend it. What a nice visit to Music Junction. And uh, I hope that you enjoy enjoy Tyler. And if uh, if you do, let me know. Uh, you can always email me, joshpodcast at bobandtom.com. And uh, why don't we, now that uh, the uh, we're making our way back to the basement here, why don't we look over a couple questions that some of you have sent in. It's always great to hear from you guys. Uh, John has written in. Oh, and he has a question about the Bob and Tom show. He says, nothing makes me laugh more than when people lose it on the big show. Sometimes you'll even get yourself laughing on your podcast. Yeah, I do. I can't help it. I'm uh, I'm, I'm an idiot. So, <laughs> But he loves to laugh with me. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Well, John has a question that a lot of people um, will, will ask about, and some even have their own theories about, and I'll talk about them. He says, how difficult is it? to hear the same jokes or songs over and over and over again. 
uh, and force out a chuckle so that people hearing it for the first time get the hint that it's funny. Um, he's talking, of course, about the Bob and Tom show. So what will happen is, yes, uh, I mean, we repeat bits and uh, occasionally we'll even tell the same joke. Uh, let's say I make a joke that's uh, improvised at 7.30. Well, if that topic comes up again at 9.30, I may go ahead and repeat that joke. Now, the reasoning behind that is the uh, experts, the radio experts, have proven time and time again with studies and with uh, surveys and with technology that they use to measure listenership. Um, for the most, I, I, it's safe to say that our audience changes, the majority of the listeners change every 15 minutes. So um, if you're one of the people that listens all morning, you are going to hear some repeated stuff. But just keep in mind that most people are hearing it for the first time. So the person that heard a joke or maybe let's say one of Pat Godwin's songs at uh, 7 a.m., they're not the same people listening at 9 a.m. So uh, those that are, that do listen all morning, are uh, in the minority. And that's not to say that people don't want to listen to all four hours. Obviously, they just have things going on. They are either going to work uh, and then they get there and they can't listen, or they start listening when they get to work because they're talking to their kids or uh, whoever in the car before that. You know, so there are lots of reasons why uh, a lot of people don't listen to all four hours. Um, or at least not in the morning. They'll go back and they'll listen on the 24-7 or whatever. So anyway, so yes, things do get repeated. Now, I'll tell you this. There, I, I, there is not a lot of fake laughter going on in the studio. And uh, I, boy, I would venture to guess... Almost none, and I and I know what's happening right now. Some of you are going, I don't believe you. I simply don't believe you. Well, uh, let me tell you this. And even John, he says, Tom's slow, methodical, deep, one-syllable ha is obviously forced. Man, um, I'm going to say, while I'm not 100% sure, I don't think that's forced. I think that's one of his laughs because here's the thing when tom doesn't think something is funny he tells you he didn't think it was funny <laughs> he doesn't he either doesn't laugh or he uh <laughs> he'll go well that sucked all the air out of the room or some comment to let you know that whatever it was that was just said wasn't funny he's usually he's uh, while we're all, we're all generous laughers we're not usually fake laughers a chick uh, doesn't ever fake laugh, um, <laughs> even if uh, w one of us or a guest is essentially begging him to. <laughs> he just won't. Uh, he he loves, as he should, uh, genuine reactions, and uh, you're not gonna. You're only gonna get genuine reactions from him, whether it be a big laugh or total indifference. <laughs> And he would tell you the same. I laugh a lot, but I usually, no, I, I really do not fake laugh. If I'm laughing at something um, that I heard, uh, that I'm hearing for the second or third or 20th time, it's because A, I either genuinely still find it funny, or 
B, <laughs> uh, sometimes I'm laughing because I can't believe the joke is being done again. <laughs> so, uh, it, it, so there's that. Sometimes I'm laughing at uh, a new, uh, either a nuance about the joke or how it was delivered. For example, when Pat Godwin Godwin does uh, the, for those of you who listen to the Bob and Tom show know this, when he does the Gardner Minshew song for literally the 22nd time, I'm telling you, he is acting like it's the first time he's done it. Even if he mentions, okay, this is the 50th time Tom's making me do this. And I have the luxury of being able to watch him in person. So... Uh, and if you are a VIP member or you watch on YouTube or later or whatever, you can see that he's really giving it his all. So sometimes I'm not laughing at the same line that I've heard over and over. I'm laughing at his performance, either a face that he makes or some noise that he vamps during the middle of it or some weird motion that he made with his arm or uh, his his head because he really gets into it and it's really fun. Sometimes I'm also laughing at a face that somebody else in the studio is making. So if, uh, let's say, Chick is worn out by a particular bit or joke, as it's being told and delivered, I will be looking at him, and he'll be so he'll be so funny in his uh, anger, whether it be real or fake, or whatever, <laughs> uh, that I'm laughing at that, even though it may sound like I'm laughing at what's being said. So there's a lot going on. Uh, a lot of people do, I think accuse the show of of having canned laughter or fake laughter, I think it's unfair. Now, uh, before I was ever involved with the show, I was just a, a, a major fan. Uh, I remember listening to one album where the end of almost every bit, there was uh, laughter added to it. It was genuine laughter, but it was put, um, I think, in a disingenuous spot. And uh, I've actually questioned the the uh, producers of the album said hey what was the reasoning there and i've gotten a couple different answers none of them satisfied me as a uh, nitpicky fan i didn't i didn't like that that real laughter was added in a uh, an artificial way um but you know uh, what do i know that's just my opinion so um since i'm not a big fan of that sort of laughter the, the fake forced laughter i uh, try not to do it. And I, I think we're all pretty successful at, especially since we have so much fun teasing each other about jokes that bomb, uh, and stuff like that. A lot of times we're able to find more comedy in a bad joke than if the joke worked. Uh, so we have more fun with uh, the stuff that, that fails. <laughs> so, um, again, if you think I'm full of it, I look, I, I'm not, I can't, there's not much I can do other than tell you, you know, no, I, boy, I really don't think Christy, the only thing Christy I think will fake every now and again is when she says she doesn't get something because she's just playing sort of a, a at the time, in that moment, she's playing a, uh, she's doing one of two things. She's either being a playful dimwit, uh, and we all know that she's not, she's incredibly intelligent, and also, um, or, Sometimes we will take the role of an audience member who might not be aware of something. So uh, if, let's say, um, 
there's an obscure reference made, which happens a lot. Uh, and we, but everybody in the room knows what it is. One of us will go, "What are you talking about? What What does that even mean? I don't get it." That way, it's explained for listeners who may not get it. This happens in movies all the time. There's always the character that's the rookie or the new guy or the fish out of water who, when the scientists are talking about the asteroid that's about to hit the Earth and they're using technical jargon, jargon, the uh, the new reporter who's been thrown into the situation to uh, talk about or you know to report goes now what does that mean exactly and it's and that that's that character is in there to explain everything to you the audience so uh, it's a it's a uh, a device so occasionally we will employ that device and is that a hundred percent genuine no but sometimes it's a hundred percent necessary and it, and it really does aid in the um the the show so uh if we ever do anything that seems fake there's a reason behind it we're not trying to insult the intelligence of the of the audience or anything like that we're trying in fact we're trying to benefit the listener um so what else uh john do you go you say uh, you just love it when people lose their mind with laughter i do too man it's so funny i love hearing people um that's also one of the reasons why when Tom uh, will will tease me, and uh, I go, "Oh, sure, yeah, another joke about me being overweight or me watching porn or whatever," I don't. <laughs> I he laughs so hard at his own uh, jokes, and Godwin also gets a really big kick out of that stuff. That uh, that I don't I don't get up that upset about it because uh, I also know where their hearts are, but. They're getting such a kick out of it and laughing so hard that it's infectious. I like, <laughs> I like that they're enjoying themselves, and uh, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's a good time. I'm trying to think if there's now. Sometimes we're more generous with uh, like if a really good friend of mine is on the show. Uh, ah, no. I, you know what? I keep trying to talk myself into the fact that we will occasionally fake our laughter, and I can't do it. I, it's not it's it's not sitting with me because it, that's not what we're doing. So yeah, okay. Uh, what? Who else? What else do we have here? Uh, Corey um, writes uh, that. Uh, oh yeah, uh, he's asking. He knows I love movies and so uh, and books and stuff like that. His questions are: Do you have a favorite actor? And a favorite genre. I figure it's horror, but uh, maybe not. Yeah. So, um, boy, favorite actor. Uh, I don't. I don't have one favorite actor. So what I'm going to do is just off the top of my head, list off some of my favorites. People that I see in movies uh, that I... um, Or even uh, if I know that there's a new so-and-so movie... That I'll just go see because I know they're in it. So uh, this does. Um, my favorite actors include, uh, and in no particular order because I'm just going to list these again off the top of my head: Paul Giamatti, Oliver Platt, Steve Martin, uh, Tom Hanks. Um, boy, uh, Bill Murray. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I can list and what I would. So what I would like to do, a lot of them are just uh, your your basics, your, you know, Pacino's, De Niro's, Brando's, that kind of thing. So what I would also like to do, what I would like to do now is list some actors whose names I want you to look out for that you might not be familiar that uh, that are becoming more and more popular, but you might not totally be familiar with. So uh, these are guys that I think are incredible actors that aren't necessarily leading men, but you've probably seen them in uh, something. So I'm also going to be uh, looking up some of these guys as I'm talking because uh, I want to try to do my best to tell you what else, what you may have seen them in. Uh, The first guy is a guy named uh, David Costable, who's in, he was in Mad Men. He played, oh man, what was his character's name? I'm going to look it up. He played Gale. Uh, he he cooked meth with uh, Walter White for uh, a little while. And he's also on the show Billions. And uh, he was in Lincoln and all that. He is as good as it gets uh, acting-wise right now an a, a, an actor named uh Garrett Dillahunt who's in a bunch of stuff is just terrific uh, recently i think i saw him in army of the dead and every time i see his name in the credits i get really excited cuz i know oh man okay the, the were the, a great supporting cast i'm just i, I love it uh glenn Fleisch, fleischler is a a guy who um is another guy, when I see his name in the credits, I go, oh, awesome, sweet. We are in for a treat here. He was in True Detective. He's also in Billions. Um, and he's he was in, the, uh, you know what? He's in The Joker. And he plays kind of a bully to uh, Joaquin, Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Um, yeah, keep an eye out for those gentlemen. Um, also, uh, favorite actresses. Um, I have a ton. I think uh, Kate Winslet and Kate Blanchett. And uh, you know who one of my favorite actresses is, who I think is underrated as an actress? Jennifer Aniston is so great. And I'm going to give you three movies that, if you don't believe me, you should watch. The Good Girl, Friends with Money, and Cake. She is amazing in all three of those. And not only should she have been nominated, for cake for best actress she should have won best actress that year uh in just a heartbreaking performance um so yeah many to list in terms of favorite genres i don't have one i'll be honest i love all types of movies uh i'm horror is probably the genre i watch the most but um man there's nothing like a great comedy or a wonderful drama or uh, a, a cool intelligent sci-fi flick or uh, I, I love westerns and uh, I'm also uh, it's, uh, you may find this surprising I love romantic comedies I love I love them I'm a sucker for them so don't have a favorite genre um, I wish I did it would have probably made for a shorter answer but uh, uh, I, I I don't and uh, you guys know that I will always celebrate people and things that I think are, are great. That's that's essentially the point of this podcast. Uh, there are a lot 
There are yeah, there are plenty of uh, critics out there and people talking about things they don't like and and the things they're unhappy with. In fact, I think that's the majority of uh, social media. So what I uh, want to do with this podcast is celebrate the things we do like. Why are we wasting time on stuff we didn't necessarily care for? Uh, we should be talking about what we love and and sharing it with our friends. So. Uh, good questions. Thank you so much for uh, sending those in. I've also got a question here from uh, Tim. He wrote me back when the the, the, the podcast first started. And uh, um, he says, you've talked about working with rolling sporting goods and traveling around and being from St. Louis, which is a great baseball community. What is your best baseball memory? Uh, a fine question, Tim. Thanks very much. Uh, but here's the deal. I'm going to answer that um, in another podcast. And uh, the reason is, is before I answer that question about my fa- my favorite baseball memory, since it is summer and, and it is the season, I thought I would talk about, uh, and some of you have asked me to talk about this, my time working with Rolling Sporting Goods. And uh, it's... Um, I have a, a ton of fond memories about it, but it uh, it does, yeah, it, it had its ups and downs. So I will, uh, quite honestly, I'll just start from the beginning. I went to uh, college in St. Louis at a place called Webster University where I was, uh, it's a private liberal arts school where I was sell, uh, studying uh, screenwriting and English and um, media communications. And one semester, I decided uh, to go to London and study uh, abroad, or two or three, while I was <laughs> while I had you know had had the opportunity. So I uh, I, I spent a semester in London, and uh, I will talk about that in another at a, another time. I'd love to share stories about my time in London with you. So um, when I got back, it was. This, it was it was now the summer, uh, or, you know, the start of summer break, um, 1999, and uh, I uh, was offered a job, a part-time job, from a buddy of mine, my good, uh, one of my best friends, Jason, who hired me on at Warenberg Theaters. Uh, I'm sure if you've listened to earlier podcasts, you heard me talk about that. So he he had a new job. He was running the mailroom at Rawlings Sporting Goods. And uh, the building, the corporate office, was in Fenton, Missouri, and it was 10 minutes from my parents' house where I was still living. So um, he said, hey, I need some help in the mailroom. Uh, he worked 8 to 5. He goes, uh, 9 to 3. You'll work part-time, and you'll come in and help me uh, run the mailroom from 9 to 3 every day. And so, I, great, I, not only, so I get back from London, and I immediately have a job. It's like, oh, my gosh, awesome. I can start making money uh, this summer and then worry about school again in the fall. So that summer, I uh, became the assistant mail. I was, I, I was happy to be called the mailboy. And uh, what I would do is uh, when packages were delivered in the mornings from UPS and FedEx, I would throw them all on this giant cart and carted around the office and dropped the packages off to the offices and the cubicles of uh, the people who were getting the recipients. So I would walk around and talk, you know, talk to the, hey, here's your package, how's your day, or whatever, and uh, uh, do that. And then uh, the mail would come in, and I would sort through the mail and put them in the uh, the mail. So, oh, a letter for uh, 
Steve uh, Rogers or whatever, and I would throw it in Steve Rogers' mailbox or a letter that just says uh, marketing department. I'd throw it in the mark, all that. I would also, uh, you know, I'm just giving you the basics of the job. I would uh, mail out invoices, uh, accounts, payable invoices um, to, uh, or no, I'm sorry, accounts, whatever, accounts receivable, accounts payable. I would send out mail for both of them. Uh, when people had samples to ship or something like that, uh, I would I would send those out via UPS. And other than that, I would also, uh, I started ordering inventory, office supplies, and uh, yeah, it was basic grunt work, but it was cool. It was at Rawlings Sporting Goods, the official baseball of the major leagues, and the glove and bat, and batting gloves and helmet and everything, that uh, it was the official glove of uh, Major League Baseball as well. So it was a, a great company to work for, and I was having a lot of fun working part-time. Uh, and I got to do some cool things, uh, go to Bush Stadium where the St. Louis Cardinals would play and get tickets to games and stuff like that every now and again, and it had some nice perks. So, and, and a lot of fun, cool people working there too. And every now and again, I'd be walking through the hallways with my mail cart, and I remember one day I turned a corner, and if I uh, I came so close to slamming the mail cart into the shins, the package cart into the shins of, uh, of a man who it took me a second to recognize, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, and he said, hey, it's okay, and my, my goodness, it was Lou Brock <laughs> visiting somebody uh, at uh, Rawlings, and... Uh, I went, oh, Mr. Brock, I, uh, I apologize. And he said, oh, no, no, you're fine. You're fine, young man, or whatever. And I uh, couldn't have been more gentlemanly. And uh, uh, every, so every now and again, I would see a major league star in the office. Um, or uh, I, I, very often, I would be sending gloves and things to major league stars, uh, to the different baseball organizations across the country. And it was a really cool part-time gig well the end of that summer jason was offered a job um oh at uh i believe it was true it was either back at warenberg theaters uh as to be like a, a general manager of a theater so he was it was going to be more money for him and uh everything and or it was uh he was going to manage a quick trip gas station which was going to be a ton of money to like to run one of those either way he decided to take it and they offered me the full-time mailroom position and i took it so i was now working eight to five uh and uh i uh was in charge of the mailroom and that was part of the human resources department but the thing was i had my fall semester coming up and i was going to school i was taking 15 credit hours every semester because I had some uh, some grants and and uh, scholarships and um, federal assistance that required I take no less than fifteen. Oh no! Uh, you know what? It may have been thirteen hours, but that didn't make sense because each class was like three credit hours. So uh, I had to take fifteen credit hours each semester. A full course load, essentially, is what it is. And uh, I couldn't go below that; otherwise, I would lose. Some of my because I was paying for college myself, my parents were never in a position to be able to pay for it, um, and I had to. So, uh, um, but but with the help of some grants and scholarships and loans, so uh, <laughs> I went to my boss and I said, "Hey, 
I, I need this job. I love this job, but I do have a full course load coming up. What can we do? And she said, do both. So for the next year, uh, my senior year of college, um, two semesters, I worked 40 to 45 hours a week and did 15, I did a full course load at school. So what would happen is I would, uh, you know, wake up at seven, seven, yeah, shower, go to work, be there at eight, work from like eight until my first class, which was usually around uh, 10. So I would work from like eight to nine 30, go to class, be there from 10 to 11, uh, come home, come go back to the office Work there until like two, go to a two thirty class until uh, three thirty or four or whatever. Go back to the office, and the commute from my office to my college was about twenty minutes. Uh, go back to the office, finish up for the day, close up, and then go back to school for my night class for my evening courses, which were always four hours long. So they would be it would be from five thirty to nine thirty. Some of them were 5.30 to 8.30, um, uh, but they were always my favorite classes because they were uh, usually the most creative classes. They were my creative writing course and my uh, playwriting courses and my, um, man, I remember one was, uh, uh, I forget the, the name of it, but it was essentially we would read a play or a novel and then it was, I think it was called Literature into Film. So we would read a novel and then we would watch the film based on that novel and talk about the differences and stuff like that. But that was, I remember that one, that was definitely a 6.30 or a 5.30 to 9.30 course. So for four hours. <laughs> but uh, um, they were interesting to me, so I didn't mind. So then I would be home around 10, get to bed around 10.30 and then wake up or, or do homework until midnight or one or whatever and then get up at seven so um uh and do it all over again looking back and i'm not i i don't want you to think that i'm uh boasting or patting myself on the back too hard here i am patting myself on the back a little bit because looking back i don't know how i did it i don't know how i had the energy i mean granted i was uh 20 uh 21 by the end of that summer actually so uh <laughs> I did, and I also had a social life somehow. I was still going out on weekends and, uh, you know, doing what 21-year-olds do. And so, um, boy, but but I still, I, I look back kind of in awe and go, boy, that year, well, that was nuts. And so, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, that's that's what I was, I, I was doing for a full year. Um, yeah, that would have been 2000. So, uh, uh, you know what? 99 going into 2000. So the summer of uh, 2000, oh, yeah. It's, it's, no, no, no. You know what? I did it for, and I apologize. Um, I just want to make sure I'm giving you the full accurate story here. It was until 2001. So it was actually my junior. And yes. It, okay, here's what happened. I uh, uh, Forgive me for, for uh, recalling this on the spot. I ended up having two senior years because during my during that senior year, my, my first senior year, my guidance counselor said, you know what? 
if you go one more year of school, you can leave here with two bachelor's degrees. Now, you don't have to do this. You know, uh, she explained. She said, no, you don't have to. But if you do, you can um, leave with a degree. You have enough of the same general studies credits, uh, but you could leave here for both. You could leave here with an English degree and a media communications degree. And I was enjoying school so much that I went, you know what? Yeah, why not? I'll go ahead and go another year, so a five-year program, and leave with two degrees. So that's what I ended up doing. So I did the Rawlings uh, full-time school combo, 99-2000, and then 2000-2001. So it was two years of that, two full years. And um, I loved it. Again, looking back, I, how the hell did I do it? But I, I did it, and it, I was successful at both. And uh, I, lo- I had a great, I had a blast. I was making money, going to school, paying for school, paying for my books and all that stuff. Still accruing plenty of student loan debt, but doing what I could. So, cut to the uh, summer of 2000. One, May of 2001. Uh, well, I'm offered a promotion at Rawlings Sporting Goods. Uh, I've become friends with many people. They like what I do there at work. And um, they think, you know what? We can get you out of the mailroom. And uh, in fact, I, I started uh, doing things outside of the mailroom, like helping write copy for the catalogs and the annual report and all this stuff. So uh, somebody came to me and said, hey, there's a position, uh, we're creating uh, a position where you're going to be part of our uh, road crew, essentially, which was part of the marketing division. So what it was, it was event marketing. Uh, Rawlings had some vehicles that uh, they had like this 18-wheeler type thing, and then they uh, were going to buy, that would go out, and what would happen is they had two vehicles, one was an 18-wheeler, that would go out and it would open up, like the trailer would open up to like, and, and a stage would unfold, and there would be product uh, that people could could browse, and uh, there was a lathe in there for bat making demonstrations, and there was a baseball show, sewing chair. That's right. There's a special chair that people sit because every baseball, uh, maybe you don't know this, is is hand sewn. There is not a machine that can sew a the final stitch into a baseball. So every Major League Baseball is still hand-sewn individually. So, uh, and what that means is the cover, everything's, uh, they're wound, all the innards of a baseball are wound by machine, but then to sew the the leather cover onto a baseball, that's all done by hand. So there was a chair that uh, uh, ball-sewing demonstrations could be done. And I did, uh, I did that for uh, a long time. I, I became very good at sewing the cover on a baseball. And uh, explaining to people uh, the history of the baseball and all, what all goes into them and uh, how they're made, where, all that stuff. A lot of which I've forgotten, some of which I'll never forget because I would do these presentations like uh, eight times a day and I had it all memorized or whatever. And Anyway, uh, so that was one of the vehicles. The other was called the dugout. And what it was was this gigantic trailer with two gigantic baseball bats crisscrossed on top 
and the uh, it would open up. It, it, it was towed by um, a truck. It was not like an eighteen wheeler like the other one. It was uh, which was called the caravan, by the way, the big eighteen wheeler. So the caravan, and then the um, the and, and quite honestly, I think it was like a twelve wheeler. It wasn't exact. It wasn't as big as a full eighteen wheeler. It was like a slightly smaller version. But you had to have the special license to drive it, and you had to stop at way stations and all. You had to do everything that the typical 18-wheeler had. So um, the dugout would be towed, and it would open up on the side, and when it opened up, it looked like the dugout of uh, for a baseball team. There was a bench back there, and uh, essentially it was for selling out of. So you could have the bats and gloves in there, and you could sell out of it. Well, uh, I'm offered this job to join the event marketing road crew. And they said, hey, we're doing something new this year. Uh, we, uh, the, One of the marketing managers, no, actually, I'm sorry, it was the VP of marketing at the time. He was a new guy at Rawlings. His name was Stan, an incredibly friendly guy. But looking back, uh, his ideas were fine. But um, looking back, I, I, uh, I, I think I would have yelled at him more. <laughs> than, than I ever did, and I'll tell you why. So he said, hey, I used to work for General Mills, and I have uh, I have a co-op idea with Rawlings and General Mills. You are going to take a uh, brand new Chevy Suburban that's going to be wrapped in graphics uh, that have Rawlings on it and Major League Baseball graphics and all this stuff, and you are going to drive to every baseball stadium and uh Go uh, go to a game, and outside of the stadium, you are going to pass out samples of Gardetto's snack mix uh, and a new cereal called Wheaties Energy Crunch. And, uh, you know, the little boxes that you would get in the mail or the little sample bags you'd get in the mail. So uh, you're going to have uh, uh, a sub- <laughs> the Suburban. It's going to tow the dugout. And the dugout will be filled with cases of Gardetto's and and Wheaties Energy Crunch. You'll drive around the country on our bill. You'll get you'll get a salary and you'll get a per diem, and uh, you'll go to uh, uh, all of the baseball state, all of the major league baseball stadiums, and and pass these out. And you'll get to see uh, the United States for free, essentially. And are you interested? And I said, Yes, of course I'm interested. And uh, so it was, that was going to be my summer. I was going to get out of the mailroom, go on the road, and uh, do this and um, uh, for three months. It was going to be May, June, July, August. So, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, actually, you know what? I'm sorry. June, July, August, because the first event was going to be the College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska, where it always is. So, I accept the job, and uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. Now, a slight irony here, I have uh, three brothers and of the four of us, I am um, the least, f- boy, how do I put this? Uh, all my brothers, lo- and I do too, love baseball, love it. Uh, my brothers Jeff and John all played baseball growing up. We always, all four of us, always played wiffle ball, and we were obsessed with it, and we all would get baseball cards and trade them and uh you know, spend our allowances, uh, <laughs> uh, what you know, or whatever little money we would get uh, on baseball cards and all this stuff. 
but I loved it the least. <laughs> so when I told my family that I had this job and I was going to go to every major league ballpark <laughs> and uh, do, they lost their minds. They're like, what? You have no business doing that. It should be one of us. Uh, I unbelieve they were, <laughs> of course they were excited for me, but they were also like, of all the, of all the Arnold boys, the, uh, the guy who wasn't on the baseball team, but he starred in the plays and he was in show choir. He's the one that gets to go to all these things. So, uh, uh, but yeah, took the job, hired, uh, they said, hey, uh, you're going to have somebody else with you, of course. Uh, we need to hire somebody. So let's, uh, we're going to put out, you know, so they put out a, an ad or whatever. And uh, I interviewed uh, a few people for it. And there was a guy named Mike who was perfect for the job. A young dude, he was my age. Uh, we were both, uh, you know, at this time, oh boy, 78. I was 20, um, so I was what 22 21 22 and uh he was he had just turned 21 and uh said hey man you want to go do this and he, he yes so our first job is going to be the college world series well the guys uh who are also on the road crew uh guys named Travis and Bryson I've talked about Bryson on the podcast before he was uh unfortunately a um, angry alcoholic. He he and I uh, were friends. He he um, could be hilarious and a lot of fun, and he could also be the worst person on the planet. So, and I got to see both pl- plenty of times. Uh, so the day that we're leaving, he <laughs> he's crazy hungover, and uh, he's gonna ride with uh, Mike and I in the Suburban, towing the dugout just to make sure everything goes okay for our first road venture. So uh, he <laughs> he's crazy hungover, and he goes, uh, man, I, 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 can't, I can't drive. I can't, you're going to have to t- drive. And I go, oh, man, I've never towed anything before in my life. And uh, he said, uh, that's okay. You, you, you got this. Uh, I'll hook up the, you know, we'll hook up the dugout, and it'll be fine. Now, every now and again, he would go, man, this Suburban is not big enough to tow this dugout because the dugout was nearly the size of a, uh, it was like half of an 18-wheeler's trailer. It was definitely as tall as your uh, normal 18-wheeler trailer, and it was half as, I would say half, maybe three-quarters as long. It was, a Suburban had no business towing this thing. But they didn't care. And this is where guys like, you know, the, the, the marketing dude I was talking about, Stan, they should have known better. So, <laughs> so uh, we go to attach this trailer to the Suburban. I back up with the ball hitch, get it lined up. We get out of the car and uh, uh, attach the trailer to the ball hitch. And then... Uh, there are some, these things called sway bars, which do exactly what they sound like. You attach them to the trailer and then you attach them to the towing vehicle and they keep the trailer from swaying. Well, Bryson's the only one that's ever, uh, put these things on before. So he's trying to put these things on. He can't, he can't do it. And he's so hungover, he gives up and he says, you know what? Forget the sway bars. We'll be fine. 
So the Suburban, uh, he goes, you're going to have to drive the first leg. So I uh, get behind the wheel and I start pulling. And I go, man, Bryson, uh, this thing's swaying pretty bad. <laughs> uh, why wouldn't they be? The sway bars aren't attached. So he goes, we'll be all right. Just go slow or whatever and we'll be fine. And he goes to sleep in the passenger seat. Mike's in the back uh, with all of our suitcases. So he's uh, sitting on one side of the back seat and the rest, uh, it's just its just suitcases and boxes. It just packed back there. He can't, he can barely move. So <laughs> uh, I'm driving and I'm nervous as hell. Very nervous. Not only is it the first time I've ever towed something, it's something that I shouldn't be towing in the first place. It also happens to be a very rainy and very windy June morning. So uh, we get on the highway, and the wind is battering this trailer so badly that it's just swaying with the wind. And uh, I'm white-knuckling it, going about 55 miles per hour, um, and uh, uh, just trying to keep this thing steady. Bryson tells me, and I think he is he was sort of right in this. He said, if the swaying gets too bad, speed up. Because if you speed up, you're what you're <laughs> essentially going to do is uh straighten everything out because you're pulling on it and it's gonna stop swaying. It's gonna be it's gonna be pulled and it'll be pulled straight. Uh that makes sense to me, but it's as unnatural a thing. When when a when you're towing something and it starts to sway and it feels like you're losing total control, your last the last thing you feel like you want to do is to hit the gas. But he was every now and again the swaying was would get so bad that it would wake him up out of his hangover, <laughs> his hangover nap, that he would just sort of shoot up in his chair in the seat and go uh, speed up speed up. <laughs> so I would hit the gas. And yes, the swaying would stop momentarily. But the swaying was getting so bad that the trailer was bleeding into other people's lanes. And so I would hear honking and uh, <laughs> and then people would pull up beside me and yell at me and all this stuff. And I was like, man, I, this is nuts. So we get about 50 miles or, uh, or so outside of uh, St. Louis city limits on Highway 70 on our way to Omaha. This is this is my first trip after just being promoted. Well, uh, I'm driving in uh, down Highway 70, and the swaying gets so out of control <laughs> at, at one point <laughs> that uh, I, I it's just it's just terrifying. Thankfully, and I and and I never would say this uh, in other circumstances. There is a massive traffic jam up ahead. So I get to slow down and drive about five miles per hour for quite a long time. We are in this incredibly long traffic jam for a good hour. I mean, and it's really, it's annoying because, you know, we're ready to be on the road, but I could tow the thing just fine in uh, going five miles per hour. So we finally get to the end of the traffic jam where there is a, uh, uh, a couple cars piled up. There was a, a bad accident. Uh, it didn't look to be like there were any injuries or anything like that, but it was enough to definitely close one lane of the of Highway 70 <laughs> and cause this massive uh, backup. So we get through it, 
and uh, I'm now going uh, 55 again, you know, driving uh, <laughs> on the highway. So what happens is a giant, uh, a big truck, an 18-wheeler, is behind me, and I'm only doing 55, so he passes me on the on the left, rightfully so. But when he passed me, um, it caused uh, the trailer that I'm towing to start swerving and swaying out of control. And it was now not just swerving, it was like a full fishtail. This thing was wiggling back and forth and back and forth to where it started to shift the Suburban on its own. Like, we could feel the Suburban being moved. I was no longer in control of the trailer. The trailer was in control of us. Well, this wakes Bryson up. <laughs> and he uh, he looks in his side mirror, sees how out of control the trailer is, puts his bare feet up on the dashboard in sort of like this weird sort of defensive crouch position. And I remember he just goes, here we go. <laughs> that's all That's all he said. And the next 10 seconds uh, it seemed like forever. But the trailer is swaying so bad that the that I can actually see in my rearview mirror, the uh, or on the, in my side mirror, the trailer coming around almost parallel to the suburban. So when I look out, and then I looked out my the driver's side window, and I could see the back of the trailer. It had sway. It had swung up towards us. And that's when the Suburban flipped around. We swung, we, we, we slid around. We started doing uh, a 180 in the highway, screeching wheels, crunching metal as the trailer is denting the back of the Suburban because it's twisting it so hard. The miraculous thing is it never came off the hitch, this, this dugout. So we spin... And then spin back again. I mean, I, I would have loved to have seen video of 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 how this because, and 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 quite honestly, we all thought we were dead. We uh, I, I know I did. I went the, the way that this feels, and and as out of control as we are, there's no way we're going to survive this because this is going to tip us over and maybe land on us. I don't know how this is going to end. <laughs> so, what eventually happens is it, we're so we're careening out of control. The Suburban runs off the highway, slams into, there was a very steep ditch. We slam into the ditch, but we don't go down into it. We are raised up like the front of the Titanic because at the same time, the dugout has tipped over and has not let go of the ball pitch, or the, the ball hitch. It twisted the metal of the hitch and the back end of the Suburban so badly, but it never let go of the hitch. So it twisted... And uh, it flipped us up, like, at an angle. Well, I look out. Uh, we're, we're kind of at a stop now. And uh, I, I look out the driver's side window. <laughs> and I see the two gigantic bats that were on top of the dugout rolling down the highway. <laughs> and just making a, a sickening noise as it does it. And the dugout itself is still is on its side, but still kind of sliding. And so it's there sparks are flying, and there's this awful screech of metal against pavement. And uh, after you know 
we everything stops. It all stops. And I look back, I look in the back seat, and I ask Mike is if he's okay. And I can't even see him. He's buried in luggage and boxes. And I just I kind of see a hand come out and start knocking him away. And he's got kind of a bump on his head. Like he's been knocked around back there. <laughs> There's he was covered in stuff. Bryson still has his legs and feet up, but he's he, you know, he's like, oh my God. And uh, I, I'm just stunned and silent and scared. And uh, but we all we open up our uh, suburban doors and we I kind of have to jump out because I'm up in the air. And Bryson does the same. Mike was able to kind of just get out because his, his, he was in the back, so he was a little lower. And um, that's when uh, the traffic copters from the traffic jam that we had just left made their way. <laughs> <laughs> to us and uh <laughs> and i'm told that were you watch if were you to watch the news that day that uh <laughs> you would see overhead shots of three terrified guys standing next to the rolling suburban that had the rollings logo all over it <laughs> and a turned over tractor trailer with the in giant Painted letters, the words rolling sporting goods on the side, <laughs> shooting, you know, facing the sky. So it was no doubt what company was responsible for <laughs> for this. And now everybody that had just gotten through that awful traffic jam had a brand new one to sit in because the dugout and the Suburban were blocking both lanes of the highway. And uh, uh, there was nothing. Everybody was just at a total standstill. And uh, I will tell you about the aftermath of that uh, <laughs> of uh, that uh, awful, awful wreck <laughs> where where thankfully nobody was hurt uh, miraculously because there were cars around us when when this all went down. Um, I'll tell you all about uh, the aftermath of that uh, next week, and I'll continue uh, discussing that that crazy job. In the meantime, something that, uh, you know, not necessarily to work on this week, but something that uh, we can enjoy this week. Oh, my. Will you look at that? Here come the authorities. <laughs> As we're standing in the drizzling rain on a windy, unseasonably chilly June day off Highway 70. The sirens, we can hear them and see them pulling, uh, <laughs> heading towards us in the distance. Hey, uh, talking about jobs, I think it would be fun this week if you talk with somebody that uh, it's important to you in your life, a friend, a family member, a spouse, a, a kid, a, uh, a co-worker. Ask them, take the time to ask them, hey, if you weren't doing this for a living, what do you think you'd be doing? Or what would you like to be doing? It's always fascinating to find out what other people could, what their alternative careers and or life could be. Or what did you want to be when you were growing up? Uh, that kind of thing. Ask. And uh, hopefully uh, it's, uh, you know, not in a way that's like, hey, man, we're not happy where we are now. Where would we rather be? But no, like what else could you 
be doing or or did you see yourself doing or or what's something that you know you couldn't do but that you wish you could that kind of thing like uh be a brain surgeon or be a firefighter or something that might be outside of your comfort level and or uh skill set but uh it's always fun it's a fun question to ask and uh, to hear the answers and uh, be prepared for them to go how about you um and in fact I will give you the answer now I uh I would have loved to have been a doctor of some kind I've always been fascinated with anatomy and biology and physiology and uh, stuff like that so uh but I didn't have the patience <laughs> to uh uh that for that much schooling and uh or the discipline to totally commit myself to that much schooling and uh stuff like that so but I would have loved to have uh, been uh, something in the medical field, I think. All right. Well, uh, oh, by the way, next week, uh, June 20, is it, what is it, the 24th and 25th? Uh, I will be, 25th and 26th, Friday and Saturday, I will be in Lexington, Kentucky, doing uh, stand-up at Comedy Off-Broadway. Two shows, Friday, June 25th, and two shows, Saturday, June 26th, uh, please go to ComedyOffBroadway.com if you're in the Lexington area or anywhere near there. You want to make a road trip or whatever and get your tickets now. Uh, it's my, it'll be my first road gig, my first, actually, it'll be my first stand-up performance in uh, since March of 2020. So come watch me shake off the rust, try to remember my bits, try to get new bits to work. <laughs> and uh yeah but no we'll have a very good time that's one of my favorite uh places on the planet uh, comedy off broadway in lexington kentucky june 25th and 26th uh okay and uh oh and i also wanted to tell you that uh in three weeks there will goodbye